0: And if you have a Bible, either in front of you or one that you can get to hand, I'm going to invite you now to turn with me to Exodus chapter 3, and that initial stage of the encounter with Moses at the burning bush. The first 10 verses, and let's hear God's word. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, Moses, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And we end verse 10. We pray that the Lord would add his blessing upon his truth. Amen. Uh, I want you to keep that Bible passage open. And uh, as we're going to think about this passage, I want you to try and imagine what it would have been like uh, for Moses on that day when he encountered God at the burning bush. And I want to be clear right at the outset that in reality, it did begin just like any other day. He was out with his sheep in the wilderness. At breakfast time, there was no angelic appearance. There was no tap on his shoulder that would have alerted him in any shape or form that today was going to be any different than any other day that he had lived before that. There were no hints. There were no premonitions that anything was going to be unusual. It was a common, ordinary day. No more than that, no no less than that. We might say that the sun rose, the, the sheep grazed on their on their grass, and literally Moses struck off day 14,600 of the days when he was acting as his father-in-law, Jeth- or Jethro's assistant. But just think about that for a moment, is that this is the way that God so often works and he deals with us, is that maybe... In the course of the ordinary, in the routine, God suddenly breaks into that and God speaks and God does something very much that is out of the ordinary. I mean, tomorrow morning, you could be on the way to your school run, you could be rushing to work you could be catching a bus you could be taking your car to enter into the the rush hour you could be rushing to hospital whatever it is and suddenly God is there and you have some time where you are able to think able to think through what God has been saying to you you have the time and the occasion to do that. And suddenly in those moments, you find that God is communicating something of his heart directly to, you, to yours. But as you stepped out of bed in the morning, you would have perhaps had no indication, of course, that anything out of the ordinary was ever going to happen. And as we look at this Bible passage this morning and looking at Exodus chapter 3, and as and, and you get a sense of this, What was it that actually piqued Moses' attention? And you would say the fact that there's a bush on fire. But in the middle of the desert, in the middle of the summer, in the middle of the Middle East, it is not that unusual for a bush to spontaneously combust and catch fire in this fashion. But what was different was the fact that the fire didn't go out. And it was that that caused Moses' attention to be caught. If you look down at verse 2, at the second half of verse 2, it says, Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. So Moses stood there, and he was thinking to himself, hey, This is strange. This is out of the ordinary. And in those moments, he goes over. But he's still not thinking that God is anywhere in the middle of all of this. It's simply that it's odd. And so here again, we we just are reminded again, in the midst of the common, ordinary experience that God does something extraordinary. So in your life, whatever that equivalent might be, God burns a bush, he grabs your attention, and he's speaking to you. Now, I'm not suggesting that every unusual event in your life is going to be a prelude to God doing something that is out of the ordinary, but what I am suggesting is that we need to find the time that we take the time to actually listen and be prepared for the fact that God may have something deeply significant to say to you. And as per Moses in this situation, we could describe this as the defining moment in Moses' life. And it came completely out of the blue at a time when he was in no way expecting, nor was he ready for it, yet he had to listen to what God was saying. Because nothing under God's hand is accidental. Everything is purpose and it's intentional. And you could metaphorically be out walking your sheep. That's what you do with sheep. You could be out walking your sheep on a Tuesday morning and suddenly you find that God has arrested you and so that you have something to hear that God wants to communicate to you. And yet the problem is in our frantic world, We rush from one thing to the next, and we never take the time to listen. We never take the time to be still, because we like to fill stillness with stuff. Now, I don't know what you do in your private devotions, and how you want to listen to God as you read your Bible, and what you do day by day. Sometimes I use this little Bible app. It's available and it's free, which I encourage you to do. It's called Lectio 365. And it's by the people who create uh, or are behind the 24-7 prayer movement. And it's two prayers, in effect, and a couple of Bible readings. There's one for the morning, one for the evening. If you're very lazy, you don't even have to read it. You can just pop your headphones on, press play, and somebody reads it for you. The morning prayer certainly always begins in the same way. It has exactly the same prayer, and it goes something like this. As I enter prayer now, I pause to be still, to breathe slowly, to recenter my scattered senses upon the presence of God. Now, to people like us, who are not familiar with prayer books and things like that, we'll say, that sounds repetitive, doing that same thing every day. And there may be an element of that. But at the same time, there is something significant about telling you, encouraging you to take time to be still and to be alert to listen. And if we want to hear God speaking in, the, in a way that God spoke to Moses, You have to be still. And that moment for Moses, as I've said, was the defining signal moment in his life when he encountered God in a new way. His life was changed. And it could be the same for you. Now, as we look at this passage, one of the commentators that I was looking at says it reveals how God speaks, and it reveals something about how God shows himself in two different ways and the first one is simply a reminder of the god who is above us and our singing and already today we've been reminding ourselves of this is that god is different from who we are and that we have to reckon with that god is not palsy in that sense he is holy and that makes a difference you cannot treat god casually because he is different and Therefore, we we must take note of that. You cannot approach God on your terms. You approach God on his terms. Read verse 5. This is the first words, as it were, uh, after his name, but the first words that he spoke to Moses, he said, Do not come any closer. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And I think Something like that is a wake-up call to all of us because we are accustomed to living in a consumer society, and we are quite used to living the Burger King way. And what I mean by that, you remember the old Burger King slogan, which was, have it your way, and we are accustomed to living lives, our lives our way. We'll do what we want. You see the same in Netflix. You can start a program when you want, You can pause a program, you can press rewind, you can start at any point, you can do what you like. You're accustomed to doing things your way. And the older people my age and and above will remember those problems that young people today don't ever experience. I mean, if you're watching a program which is reaching a significant point and you need to go to the loo or you need to go and make a cup of tea, you remember those days when someone had to shout, hey, it's back on. You have to run back into the living room to watch the TV because you couldn't just have it when you wanted it, as you wanted it. And that is the lesson that we need to remember with God because God is holy. He is different and he will impact your life. You can't treat him casually. You cannot be unaffected by God. And in a completely different tangent, just last week, it was Monday I was listening on a Christian radio station, and it was before the announcement was made about the new prime minister. And they were asking about the candidate's faith and whether that had any impact upon them. And they were interviewing a Christian member of parliament who was commenting firstly on Sunak. And they were saying that he quite openly described himself as a Hindu. But at the same time, they said, he will say about himself is that it makes absolutely no difference to his life. Now, when we come to think about the Christian God, and when we come to think about what God says about himself, God never would say anything like that. Because if I'm holy, and I am who I say I am, it will impact your life and you cannot be the same again. And certainly as Moses said, We encounter him here in chapter 3. He's now standing in his bare feet before the burning bush, and he encounters God afresh, and he knows from that moment, this defining moment of his life, that his life will never be the same again. And if you are going to follow God today, you will know, or you should know, that your life cannot be the same as it was without God, because God changes your life. So, Sometimes we hear people saying things like, I prefer to think of God, and then they give some illustration. I prefer to think of God like a man in the sky, or I prefer to think of God. You know, I want to say, get rid of that nonsense about how you think about God, because that makes no difference. What you do is you start with the Bible. And when you read the Bible about how God reveals himself and you deal with everything in the Bible about how God reveals himself, that is where you start. Because it does not matter what you think about God, but your thinking should be guided by the scriptures where God has actually revealed himself. Because if God is who he is, it will change your life. So this God is revealed here in Exodus chapter 3. He is a God who is above us. He is holy. It is significant. But at the same time, he is also the God who is among us. Sometimes we we might think that the reaction to thinking God is holy is that God is so different that we cannot ever approach him. But look with me down to verses 7 and into verse 8. And and you get this other aspect of God's character. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them. You see all those little phrases, I have seen, I have heard, I am concerned, I have come down No matter how holy God is, we can rejoice, we can be thankful today that we have a God who has loved us far more than we could ever imagine, a God who is involved in our lives, a God who is concerned and loving towards us and central to the storyline of the Bible from beginning to end, is that God is a rescuing God. Right from those moments when Adam and Eve were first expelled from the garden because of their sin, God has been on a mission to redeem men and women and to bring them back to himself so that they can get into heaven. That's the story of the Bible. And as we were hearing last week when James was speaking, that is where the Bible is always pointing. It is pointing to the one who would complete this salvation, and that one is Jesus. Now, Exodus chapter 3 is this defining moment in Moses' life. In my own Bible reading last week, I was taken to Luke chapter 9, the transfiguration of Jesus. And we could see that as a defining moment in Jesus' life. Can you remember the two men who appeared with Jesus at the Transfiguration? There was Moses, and there was Elijah. And we could say, why these two? Well, we could say that in some ways they represent the whole of the Old Testament, which Jesus was completing. Moses represented the law, Elijah represented the prophets, and we could see how the whole story fits together. But I'm just impressed even by the the symmetry at times of the Bible when you dig a little bit more. And just see how this whole... um, it, it, It encourages me what I'm going to say just now. Because when you think about Moses and Elijah, neither of the two of them actually completed their tasks. But that their work was finished, completed, by the one who succeeded them. So for Moses, who was his successor? Who was it who actually took the people of Israel into the promised land? It was Joshua. The name Joshua means God is my salvation. Then we think of Elijah, who was his successor? His successor was Elisha, who had asked for a double portion Of the Spirit. And believe it or not, the name Elisha, even though it doesn't look anything like Joshua, is a form of the name Joshua, which again means Elisha means God is my salvation. So these two men, their tasks were completed by the one who was called Joshua. And then we come to Jesus who completes everything and we ask ourselves, what does the name Jesus mean? It is nothing more than a Greek transliteration of the Hebrew form of Joshua. Because Jesus is the one who completes everything. And actually, I mean, you could read from Hebrews chapter nine and verse 12, which is reminding us of, of how Jesus does complete everything so fully. Hebrews 9 verse 12, it says that Jesus, when thinking about him here, he did not enter by the means of blood and goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once and for all by his own blood, so obtaining eternal redemption. So on this day, in Exodus chapter 3, when it's recounting the story, God grabbed Moses' attention and his life was changed forever and my question to you today is are you or would you be ready for your life to be upset to be radically changed when God really sets his hand upon you maybe today you're sitting wondering where your life actually fits in in this grander scheme of things, the big scheme of things, what's it it all about? There's two little points I want to remind you of just now which I think are important. And the first one is simply that God knows you by name, by your name. God called out of that bush and he spoke, Moses! Moses! The implication of that is that he knew all about him. He knew how Moses ticked. He knew what was going on in his life. He knew his struggles. He knew where he came from. God called Moses by his name. And ultimately, God knows you by your name. He knows how you tick. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows what you're upset about. He knows your struggles. He knows where you come from. He knows what's going on in your life. And the most significant thing that God will ever do in your life is that he will call your name so that you might experience salvation in him. Isn't that what Jesus did when he was walking into Jericho? And up in the tree, you remember that story? There was a little man and that man was called Zacchaeus and as Jesus walked back, he said, Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house today. And that we know that Zacchaeus found new life in, in Jesus. Writing in 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter says is that we, all of us, have been called out by God to follow him. And our response when we hear the calling of God upon our lives should be, Well, God, here I am. And that is the most defining moment for any of us, that we will find salvation in Jesus. And today, if you haven't, and you're still standing on the edge and you haven't committed yourself fully to Jesus, then you need to know today what Jesus has done for you. This free, completely satisfied salvation is yours, and you need to take it, and Jesus knows about you, and he's calling you, and he's calling you to himself. And when he knows you, and he calls you, you can never be the same again. You can't. In any shape or form, it will change your life. And that's what we see in Moses. Because the other aspect, what we see here, is that Moses, once he encountered God, was also told, go. Because God is ascending God. And he sent Moses out to do something. And as daunting as it might be, when we know God, and he calls us to himself, it will impact our lives. You, you see in verse 10, those striking words of, of God to Moses. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And God has always done this. He, he, he told Jeremiah to go, you are to proclaim my word, my truth. Ultimately, he sent Jesus with the task of of. Pointing the way to salvation and Jesus in turn got his disciples and he said that they were to go into the world and they were to demonstrate the power of the kingdom of God. And it's right here that God's word touches our heart. Now perhaps you are today wanting to encounter God. And you're ready to encounter God in a new way. And when you hear those words, those little phrases that were used in verses seven and eight, you know, phrases like, I have seen, I have heard, I am concerned. You would long that you would know that experience of God, that you would know that God is speaking that to you. And that you would know at the very core of your being that God is communicating that to you. And that's what you are longing for. God, speak that to me. Now, my question to you today is, is the reason that you're not hearing that, that you're not listening to that, because you have already made your mind up that you're not prepared to go. And that the reason you can't hear God speaking is because you're saying, I'm in control of my life, and I'm going to do what I want to do. But as I've been suggesting, this is a significant point in Moses' life, and if God is who God says He is, your life will not be the same again. But you can trust Him. Let's pray. Our Lord, in the stillness and in the quietness, we would long to give our lives to you. To hear you. To hear your word to our hearts. To surrender ourselves to you. God, today may we not depart from your word. Do not enable us to be distracted, Lord. Work in our hearts, unblock our ears, impress your word, your truth upon us, and Lord, help us to see Jesus the one who calls us to himself. Amen.